Comrades, you are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade Jeff and Robert on the show this week. What's happening, Robert? It, it always amazes me. Like your radio voice is so is so much more it's it's just vibey compared to your normal voice. I'm like, oh, you Wait, really like did you gra- Yeah. You telling me I got different voices between the regular talking? You absolutely talking? do. You're like <laughs> It's like the 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 equivalent. Of, it's just like the white guy code switching because I don't. Maybe it is. Like, maybe it is. Did like, you? You just like talking. Did you graduate? Amongst... Did you graduate from the Connecticut School of Broadcasting? No, I didn't go to any. That shows my age. Ever, ever. Yeah. No. So when I was a little kid, uh huh, I listened to a lot of AM radio and okay. Um, I was to a lot of AM radio. We actually had like some really good AM radio stations. Were you a that. were you a coast to coast AM like late Absolutely, night that was guy. the favorite. That was my favorite fucking show. Of course so I can tell it was, and of course you cursed yeah. on the radio. Oh, one minute, one I got minute. So excited! <laughs> I got so excited. All right, just, uh, I'm gonna see one minute. I'm doing a note. One minute. Anyway, one keep going. One minute, and oh, this is the good stuff. No, this is what people want to hear. Cuss. Okay. So, um, no, I still listen to a lot of AM radio, and I had, like, our, our radio station was actually pretty good. So we had, yeah. um, we, there were, like, two, there was, like, the big, the the right-wing station that had, like, Rush Limbaugh and, like, um, who else was on there? I remember listening to Glenn Beck early. Michael Savage. But, Michael but Savage. this is way before. Nah, Michael Savage was, like, way after i'm like mm-hmm. i when i say i was i was in middle school so i'm 41 now uh-huh. so i was in middle school listening to am radio but we did i didn't listen to any of that we had a an am radio station that like competed against that station mm-hmm. and they had um they had a local guy bob lassiter who was kind of a he was like a centrist i would say um lionel if you ever heard of him he was like another liberal Okay. But this wasn't like a political radio station. Um, they had Ron. It was Ron and Ron in the morning, which were two radio guys that are still well, three radio guys: Ron Bennington and Ron Diaz, and then also Fez Watley, who and like Fez was gay, and they're still around. They're on XM. They're like old, old, but they're still around. Yeah, but they're they're like um, very like wacky morning DJ types, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the thing, and then they led into um, it was like how. How much they could like it was very early shock jock because it was how much they could get close to the line right without crossing over it right well so they were was, not they, um, well, they they didn't matter so much because they were irrelevant the more they stepped out of line they were incentivized to step out of line as long as they didn't lose their job like Stern actually had a walk a line you know what I mean yeah but I remember listening job. to Stern at the end of um the end of his terrestrial radio just being like yeah. this is so stupid he's so finished with it yeah he was just like this is so dumb i can't wait to be off of the air he's like i can't wait to be on, on satellite yeah after he like signed that big deal and remember they replaced him remember who they replaced howard stern with no was, who was um, it the i ain't got nobody the rock and roll david clown. lee roth <laughs> 
Yes. No yes, they way. did. Like, Get out of here. whatever, like, NBC New York One thought that they were going to replace Howard Stern with David Lee Roth. I'm not making that up. That's, that's awesome. Not a joke. I'm that not a joke. is cool. That's great. That, last, that, that show had to have lasted like all of 20 minutes. <laughs> it had to be awful. I never listened to any of it. Uh, there was. We had, uh, um, by the way, just I just wanted to flag this for one second too. Since yeah. the last time we talked, um, we there was the passing, a very significant passing of a, a really influential music uh, musical singer, uh, Harry Belafonte. Uh, you oh, got, yeah. That was a really tough yeah. one because uh, he's like I don't know, man. The guy had the voice of an angel. And then also like had the best politics possible, like straight up anti-colonialism, like straight up like all of the like critiques of like even modern like like uh, modern black politics from a black perspective. I mean, the guy was a genius. The guy was brilliant, and then he's passed. Yeah, he was just, a straight up leftist. Yeah, sure. and and the music is very good. And I actually finished off our our show last week with a couple of Belafonte songs, and I was I was very Maybe happy to just kind of like I'll do dive a, in. When I think of like Harry Belafonte passing, like everybody uh, got on that, but I haven't seen any kind of even liberal critique, critique or even liberal like kind of not critique's not the right word, but I didn't see. Um, I didn't see anything about Jerry Springer from like any <laughs> political um, sources. Like Jerry Springer was most like, people don't... we're not liberals here. Like we're leftists, but Jerry huh? Springer was like a good lib for sure. Most people don't even know that Jerry Springer did politics. Honestly, they only know him from the TV show from when they were sick at school. And after the price yeah. is right, you watch Jerry Springer show because it's the biggest car wreck on television. Right. Well, I had, um, with like Jerry it, Springer, it's because I grew up. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Like, you're right. Like, I I grew up with Jerry Springer before the Jerry Springer show because I live... You live um, in Cincinnati. In Cincinnati. Where he was the and mayor. He was the mayor of Cincinnati in the 70s, in the late 70s. And his, his stuff was always like... Um, he was like a local... I'm really showing my age. He was like a, a local <laughs> Donahue. Like, even yeah. before he had a show, he would be on uh, NBC affiliate uh, Channel 5, W... Mm-hmm. TLT, okay. yeah, I think that's it. And he would just have a um, a commentary portion where he they would just pick a topic and he would go like hard in for like five minutes. That was his and final thought. That was the final thought. But it was the first. Yeah, thought. that's where that came from. Yeah, this. Yeah, so I know that he like he did. He was a good. He was a good liberal. Um, he saved uh, Union Terminal when like a lot of people. Union Terminal is. The museum space slash uh, the natural history museum got moved there because it used to have its own building. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the it's it's there right now. I, like if you if you go to Cincinnati uh, for some reason, um, <laughs> actually um, go see the Reds play or something. Back. Go see the Reds let play. Me, let me take that back because uh, Cincinnati has actually made like a couple of hipster travel blogs of being like Uh-oh. the next undiscovered like cool city or whatever but i'm like okay fine but so union terminal it's still there to this day and it still fills all these functions it is it's a huge train station that was like super important because it was the major stop uh for a lot of uh world war ii um soldiers going to the front and then um if you've ever seen an episode of the super friends um the Legion of Doom building is Union Terminal. They just they used the same building. That. Yeah, 
That's but funny. it's this big building that looks like an old clock radio. It's the best way I can describe it. So it's like it is flat on the on the outsides, and then it has this huge hump. Um, but it still holds to this day. Now the Natural History Museum, because that building they got rid of that and moved everything in there. It has the it has an IMAX theater, and then it has um, Cincinnati History Museum. And I feel like I'm missing something else or not. Maybe not. There's a children's museum in there now. Um, And then it's it's, like Jerry Springer, like made this happen or something or protected it. Well, wait. Yeah. It's still a working train station. Okay. Like you catch an Amtrak into Cincinnati. That's where it's going to drop you. Uh Um, So it's still a working train station. Um, So yeah, back in the, in the seventies, you know, they're like, oh, nobody takes the train anymore. Let's get rid of this thing. And and Jerry Springer was like, no, this thing's important. Like, we got to save it. And he did this whole thing of, like, saving your terminal. And Cincinnati did. Um, hmm. I know he thinks, I know he thought, thinks slash thought that he ruined culture. He's written, like, op-eds about it. But it's like, I don't think so. That's a very, I think that's he- a very liberal thing to do, though. Yeah, just, like, have to be guilty about, like, oh, I'm the main character. And look at the damages that I have... Uh, laying upon my wake, you know what I mean, like that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I if he was alive and I could talk to him right now, like I would vehemently disagree with him. I would say that he's like the bridge between social media culture and Mister Rogers, because it's not even like the stuff that they had on there was real. So if anything, you're gonna equate it to pro wrestling. It was just like, hey, y'all want to come on a show oh, and act God. a fool for an hour. And it was like, yeah, sure. We get a free trip to Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and just like to throw this in there too as a complicating factor. Never forget the one time that Jerry Springer had Razor Ramon on to like that was so awesome with that kid with AIDS. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, like you've done so good, kid. (laughs) Um, but yeah, you could see why like the wrestling. You could see why like he he had like a lot. I wouldn't call them friends, but he like new people in the wrestling business because you can see how like as a pro wrestler back in the 90s you could watch a show and be like oh this is obviously a work yeah like and you could be like this is hilarious it's a work but um he always tried to wrap it up with something like you know it'd be something crazy and then he would wrap it up with like this like how do we make the world better (laughs) yeah so it's like i felt like he was just making entertainment for Mm -hmm. like the most base he was almost like a shakespeare he was making entertainment for the most base it, you know, salt of the earth. It audience. was it was reality television before reality television. Yeah, that's what it was. Sure. Daytime television was reality television, and then it's sort of like reality television. I mean, daytime television grew into what is now known as like like it, first it went to MTV with the Real World and all that other stuff, and then it's made its way into the mainstream with every show being some kind of reality show. That is a direct result of Jerry Springer. I mean, with staying with the theme of. Um... Oh, uh, pro wrestling. I think it's funny how people are like, oh, it's fake. It's fake. This stuff is so fake. And I'm like, would you rather it be real? Yeah, no. Like, thank God that it's fake. Like, I'm sure that Jerry, like, that helped him sleep at night. Mm. Like, you can't be, like, having, you can't, you can't be having, like, crazy, like, cross-dressing paternity suits and people are throwing, you know, working punches at each other and getting separated by um what's his name who still has a show Steve Wilkos I didn't Steve Dave, Wilkos, Steve Wilkos. those yeah. shows must cost 50 cents to produce cuz they're like ghost shows there's like there's still a million of them 
and they're still light. And they're like, all the same. It's so crazy. Um, but like that's probably helped him sleep at night because we're like, yeah, I'm just doing entertainment. Like I'll collect He's creating content, something fake. Yeah, it's like, would you want it to be? Re- it's like the same thing. You know, we're both wrestling fans, but people are like, oh, you know, that's fake. And I'm like, okay. yeah, but like, do you want it to be real? Yeah. Like, geez, well, Pete, I hope that's not real. Yeah, I hope like another man didn't like drive another man's head through a, a, a steel chair yeah. like without consent. Like, yeah. good lord, what are we watching? Oh my god, he threw him off of that giant cage through a table, and he's possibly dead. Oh no, he got back up and climbed to the top of the cage and got thrown through it, <laughs> and then onto some yeah. thumbtacks. And his you teeth want came that out of his to mouth. be real? Like, no, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, not at all. But yeah, so I mean, maybe I'll do a deep dive on him. But like, he was a he was a cool dude. I don't know. I always liked him. I always thought he was one of the cooler parts about Cincinnati. I always thought he had like a real like. I used to listen to him. This is how much of a turbo nerd I am. Mm-hmm. Um, again, showing my age. Um, I used to listen to him, Sam Cedar. Oh, you're talking about Air and America? Jank Uger on Amer- Air America with <laughs> Randy Rhodes, who I cannot stand. God. And it's not like these people are bad people. It's just that like I've outgrown them. And I find it really weird that like Sam's not so weird. cool. Sam's I so haven't cool. outgrown Sam. Like Sam, I like is fine. And I think that's because he surrounds himself with I think that's on purpose. I think that he's like, I'm not a leftist, but I'll surround myself with leftists. I'll I'll be the boomer in this dynamic. Yeah. Anyway. But I've definitely outgrown the young Turks and I I outgrew Randy Rhodes decades. Anyway. Um, just to circle back, we got from Jerry Springer somehow to Randy Rhodes, but yeah, it was on the radio. Like he did political radio too for a little while. I guess what we're trying to say here. Yeah. 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 On air America, he on drive time. Yeah. Yeah. He would do just like liberal talk radio. He'd be like, Oh, Cincinnati's a funny place though. Because I, I remember I, I, uh, I ran into Jank Uger at a poker table in Cincinnati and we're talking, I'm like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, some kind of deal. Like, oh, we're trying to do some kind of TV deal or something. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's interesting because Cincinnati is like, I, I consider it the crossroads of America because it's this, it's this like liberal city in a conservative state that like, but everybody's, it's not big. So everybody's like smushed together. Like it doesn't like have a, a de- okay, so like. I mean, here in New Orleans, like we're a liberal city inside of a conservative state, but there definitely is like a you are are now leaving New Orleans because it's not like any kind of like anything aggressive. It's just like, oh, I'm now in a swamp. I'm Mm -hmm. like I'm driving on I-10 through a swamp. I'm no longer in like Cincinnati doesn't have that. It Mm -hmm. just all kind of melds together with Mm -hmm. the rest of Ohio, but it's not the rest of Ohio at the same time. It's really Mm -hmm. weird. Doesn't so you um, just have a lot of differing opinions? Doesn't um, Ohio have three of those though? Isn't like the same thing Cleveland and well, Columbus? I would say here's the deal. No, Columbus. I would say no. Oh, what makes Columbus? It's not a. It's not a, a liberal stronghold. It's just it's it's blue ish, purple, because of um, some Ohio State students. <laughs> and then you've got Cuyahoga County, which is Cleveland. But, like, yeah, at that point, you're like, oh, I'm in the city. Like, I'm in the big, big city. Yeah. It's basically, New, it's basically not, New York. Yeah, Cincinnati, a lot like New Orleans, is this small island, geographically small city that's surrounded by just suburb. Yeah. So if that makes any sense. It's a city that doesn't run into another city. Right. 
It really doesn't. Like I mean, you don't I mean, get to any kind of metro any kind of any kind of metropolis until Dayton, which is like an hour away, and Dayton's like nothing. That's like, not a Dayton city. Is, Dayton is people are leaving. <laughs> like <laughs> I, 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 nobody lives in Dayton. Yeah. Well, anyway, so uh, you listen to WHIVLP New Orleans one two point three. Good morning, comrade Jeff and Robert. You have been doing some studying. I, I've friend. been doing my homework. Um, so I am fascinated by the Ron DeSantis Disney scuffle because can we just like lay the whole thing out first before we like not, really get? I into mean, it? we can. Yeah, sure. Why not? Just so like, so, just so like our audience knows what's going on here. You know what I mean? Okay. So in in brief, Disney has Disney has full administrative and legislative control of a city. And it's the it's the Reedy Creek Improvement District, and they pretty much run everything in there. The only things like they have their own fire department. Um, the only thing they don't have is like they don't have they they have they have their own fire department. They have their own water uh, dis, um, purification. They have their own electric grid. The only thing they don't have is their own police. Um, they wouldn't give they, them their own cops, have, their own army. Disney can't well, raise an army. That's the thing, though. So they have they ha- they don't have their own police, but they do have their own security uh, team, which are not police. So anytime the police have to get involved, they have to go to the Orange County Sheriff's, which is Orlando. Um, but they're pretty. They're as close as uh, any corporation could have to having a completely sustainable. Um, completely self-contained um, company town. Yeah. And yeah. that is terrifying for so many reasons and should not be. But the why I'm fascinated about it, it's almost it's like right wingers and Republicans and especially uh, Ron DeSantis just figured this out <laughs> five minutes ago. Yeah. And <laughs> like and they and they also act like this is not a thing created by right wingers. Like the Reedy Creek Improvement District was put into place by right wingers for a company who is a multinational behemoth. So why wouldn't they throw their weight around? Like I don't under, like this is like Frankenstein turning on the the electricity. Yeah, he made it. Frankenstein monster, monster coming alive, and then you're like, I don't understand why this monster's in my in in my laboratory. Yeah, how did it get here? It's like, sir, you dug oh, up the no. graves and put the and stitched all the yeah. the, the organs together. Oh like, no, it's the consequences of mine own actions. Well, my own actions. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. I just don't. Uh, well, so, don't so why is there? Why are they not getting along all of a sudden? What's going on? What happened? There? Well, it's it's a it's a combination of um, just uh, self self styling. Yeah, self, self branding exercise. No, I was gonna say I was gonna try to make some kind of thing about like Ron DeSantis with a huge ego. Yeah, a self branding exercise against a, a a corporation with like uh, again with international reach and a ton of lawyers, and it's almost yeah. like it's almost like. I wouldn't necessarily say Florida. Uh-huh. I would say Ron DeSantis for sure is he he's learning. He's getting a lesson on how America really works. Yeah. Well, and it's funny that you can make it all governor of Florida and not understand how we live in a society run by corporations. Well, here in not only that, 
Like, he's getting shown how the world works in, like, two different ways at the exact same time. Like, in one hand, he's getting, like, taken administratively to the cleaners by old money or whatever, while he's, like, mm-hmm. potentially going to not even run for president. And at the same time, like, anytime Trump just decides to just, like, honk, honk, Ronda Santimonious, burnt, you know, like, putting fingers or whatever, like, he also gets slimed that way. And he gets slimed in the proper way, and he gets slimed in the, like, Trump way, which is just like beautiful to see it happen both ways no for sure and i, I say this couldn't happen like, to a nicer reason... guy couldn't happen to a nicer guy oh absolutely and i say this as like because i've been thinking about it a lot because i just went to my sister-in-law's wedding and i just got back from florida and florida's my hometown uh my home state and i'm only 90 like my, where i grew up in st petersburg florida is only 90 minutes away from orlando so i'm like familiar with disney i would definitely consider myself a disney adult <laughs> uh, I, um, my wife and I went on honeymoon in Disney. Um, I've been on a Disney cruise. Like I like I like Disney, but I can separate. He's done all the art. Disney, folks. He's done all the Disney. Yeah, and I I mean I really do. I like I like the quaint, creative stuff. I like the parks. You like the organization um, too. You like the level of organization that takes place to make that operation run. I do very much so. Like mm-hmm. it really tickles. It really tickles my brain yeah. how. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, we don't need to – we could just have working um, public transportation. Yeah. And, and good and, infrastructure. And it doesn't, we have, don't need, yeah. it doesn't have to happen under the capitalist or, or nearly feudalistic framework of Disney. But also, no, by the way, the reason that Ron DeSantis is at war with Disney is because Disney is too woke, by the way, which I love. Which is insane. I love it. Which is which, – uh, I mean, uh, which is – yeah, a capitalist corporation that's amoral. Not amoral, not yeah, amoral, not immoral. Um they're acting in their own interest. So that they yeah, can acting like in not, their own interest. Yeah. They're they don't have any if if they can make more money selling to to trans people who walk backwards and you know, get ready for the trans people who walk backwards trilogy from Pixar. <laughs> yeah. Like it's happening. <laughs> like they don't care. Like it's whatever. Um, and it's like not even the worst thing in the world. They're doing cynical stuff, but like right. who cares? And I would even say um, the stuff like the like the movies they've created, the the IP they have after the Disney Renaissance, which like I don't have a problem with the Disney Disney Renaissance, mm. like when they were just recycling. And some people would say stealing like they stole uh, the Lion King from a Japanese anime called Kimba the White Lion and also like going after um, uh, not not non copyrighted, but like public domain properties like the Little Mermaid and stuff like that. I mean, I, I enjoy that stuff, but there's stuff after the Disney Renaissance, I think, is when they really when they really shine, like, as creatively. Um, Treasure Planet is amazing, and it's, like, a dud. Like, it was a, it was a complete box office bomb, but it's real good. It, it definitely I don't, I don't needs, know what like, the Disney resurgence. Renaissance was. Huh, what's that? I don't know what the Disney Renaissance was. I never heard of that before. Disney Renaissance. Okay, so keep this short and sweet. So... There was a time where like Disney was super creative, but they were losing money hand over fist. Like people are like, oh, they're going to go, they're going to go bankrupt. Like they're not, uh, people don't care about this stuff. And then they tried to do like some edgy stuff, like the black cauldron, which was a, um, the sounds edgy. That's a great movie, but it's terrifying because it's, um, it was made by like the lead animator is, um, Oh my, I have one of his work on my arm tattooed. Um, the guy who did Secret of Nim, uh, and, and Space Ace and, and Dragon Slayer, Don Bluth. 
Oh, so okay. that was a Don Blue thing. It I, 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 that name came to mind, and I was right. I was a little bit like I was a little bit shy with it. So he quit the company and then took artists with him. All and, he did, all then, dogs go to heaven, right? Yeah, all dogs go to heaven. Um, Secret of Nim, um, the video game Space Ace, Dragon Fievel, Slayer, was, it, was um, he the Fievel? Yeah, Fievel goes west. Yeah. Um, there's something else. I'm trying to think, like Thumbelina or something, which is terrible. Um, was, oh, the um, speaking of dark, Rockadoodle, Rockadoodle. That was Don Bluth. Oh, he did Rockadoodle. Yeah, that was Don Bluth. All right, I was gonna say also um, Anastasia. Was it which, the, like that? Was, yeah, was that, the uh, what was the one where the guy got shrunk down in in the rainforest or whatever? That is Fern Gully. Was that Don Bluth? I don't know. That's don't a know. good question. I don't, I'm not gonna Google it though, but I okay. don't know. Well, anyway, so the Disney Renaissance, um, they uh, they were like, okay, we're gonna make these safe movies. We're gonna reinvest in the parks. Um, it, it's really when Eisner became the CEO, and Eisner yeah. gets blamed for a lot of stuff, but like he did, he did kind of pretty much save Disney. Um, mm-hmm. He gets blamed for stuff, but like I, he was always acting in good faith. Like they like um, also a monster, Disney- a monster in labor relations, as are many CEOs. Oh, absolutely, and we're not even. Yeah, I'm not even getting that. I'm just talking creatively, but like. Um, Stuff like uh, Tokyo, Di- not Tokyo Disneyland, but um, Euro Disney, which the French hated because it was just a, and that was Eisner's thing. Like they were literally like protesting it, and like they're like, "Get this trash out of here!" But like, of course, the French Euro- would do that. It's dead too good but, for it. But like Euro Disney is a success now because they just took Disney and made it French yeah. instead of trying to just take Disney World and plot. Because okay, so. Take Tokyo Disney for They're a, the blob. For They're the blob. Yeah, take Tokyo Disney for a moment. Tokyo Disney works like this. Even though Disney does not technically own Tokyo Disney, it's the Oriental Land Company. They just license Disney stuff. It's a franchise. What? So if you go, if you're Japanese and your mindset is, I, let's go to Tokyo Disney, we want all the old, Di- we just want you to take Disney World, Disney World or Disneyland and plop it in the middle of Tokyo. Mm-hmm. That's what we want. So that's, that's, that's another reason why Disneyland constantly changes, but Disney World has stayed the, pretty much the same. Like for a ride to, to leave Disney World yeah. and get replaced for something else is a huge deal because their thing is, Disneyland is like, oh, these are all Californians going here, so uh, they're like, we can change this all the time. It's no big deal. They don't care. But Disney World, they're like, this is a lot of people's lifetime. They're once in a lifetime trip, mm-hmm. and and we want to give them the Disney World that's like in their head. In case they want the experience to be the same for everybody, they want it to be encased in amber as a place that is never changing ever right. in the million years. Because that was one of Walt's things. Walt's always said that he would disagree with that philosophy because he he would always say that. Um, also a vicious union buster, of course. We'll Go get on. into that as well. But he always said that Disney World is not a um, a museum. Um, and it's never finished. Um, but my point is with – so instead of doing that kind of mindset, they just took Disney they, – they, they made a Disneyland for the French. They didn't call it Euro Disney. They call it Disneyland Paris. And there's all kinds of like pick like little tweaks and differences. They solved what like Disney nerds called the Tomorrowland problem, which if we're constantly going to the future, 
then your Tomorrowland is just going to get dated faster and faster and faster. So just make it 20 years ago. So what they did in in Disneyland Paris is they turned Tomorrowland, they still call it Tomorrowland, but it's a Jules Verne theme. Oh, there you go. So everything is like um, steampunk, cent- Victorian century. era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's timeless. Um, the stuff that gets like attention over there, like um, Princess and the Frog is a huge deal. Um, Treasure Planet is a huge deal. It's stuff that we here in the States like necessarily wouldn't be like, oh, well, that was just the thing. Over there, it's like, oh, I came here to see Dr. Facilier. Like, that's what we came here for. Like, he's a huge deal. Um, but where was I? Point was Disney. It's Disney a woke corporation, according to Ron DeSantis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Disney Renaissance. No, we were talking about that yeah. for a sec. So Disney Renaissance is... All the stuff like like Little Mermaid, Lion King, stuff like that. After that, after like Disney was back, like making all the money, it's it seems like they got more creative. Um, that's that's my favorite time is mm. when they made stuff like when you really think about it, like uh, um, when they got the Pixar movies when they started like Toy they, Story they, and stuff. Like- they absorbed Pixar, not even Toy Story. Toy Story is the gateway. Stuff like mm. Up. I would say Up is, like, one of the best movies of all time. Like, I'd put that up there with Casablanca. I'd put that up there with, like... Oh, yeah. Up's in... uh, I can... I've only watched it twice. I can't watch it again. Like, it's... Like, that first 20 minutes is, like, gut-wrenching. Yeah. Um, WALL-E is just a dystopian movie. Yeah. Um, Stuff like... So, the the Renaissance is the, like, 20... First century stuff, then like yeah. like late ni- late late nineties, early twentieth, like two thousands. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that for sure. Okay, but I think a lot of their their most creative stuff came after that. Look at like Lilo and Stitch. Like it's a movie about a an alien that lands with a a young woman who's trying to take care of her 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 child uh, sister or whatever sister mm-hmm. who their parents died and she's trying to make sure that social services. Uh, the social worker that like, doesn't take her her sister away, and then like the social worker who is played by Ving Rhames, uh, social worker Cobra Bubbles is like trying to work with them. Like mm-hmm. that's imagine writing that on a napkin, and then be like, we're gonna do an animated kids movie and make all the money off of this. <laughs> like that's insane. Like what? Um, but yeah, so that's 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 why I'm like, this is so fascinating, but. Um, I've taken up almost half the hour talking about this, which is great. Um, but so let's get into. I guess before we'll start we, at the be- beginning. Before we change, before we before we yeah, gear ahead. up, let's uh, do, do station ID. You're listening to one two point three WHIVLP New Orleans. This is Good Morning Comrade. We have Jeff and Robert yakking about Disney. What you got, Robert? I've got a couple articles. Like I kind of want to start at the beginning and then move from there. Of like why. Like the Reedy Creek Improvement District is insane, and why like this whole thing came to be. So I guess we'll kind of start at the beginning. This this is an article I got from um, Workers World. It is Dateline. It's June twelfth, two thousand eighteen, by Mike uh, Kulenbeck. It's called Mickey Mouse and the Rat Named Walt Disney. Uh, this year, tens of thousands of workers at Disney resorts have opened up a struggle to counter the drop in inflation-adjusted pay that has left 85% of workers earning less than $15 an hour. Many workers depend on the gov- on government programs to survive. The current battle is on, but long but its long history begins with its notorious founder, Walt Disney. Uncle Walt is celebrated in, as the visionary responsible for 
an entertainment empire bringing joy to millions. But the truth about him is far different. He was a union-busting FBI snitch, and his politics were self-serving. Walt wow. Disney was born in Chicago. He began his career as a cartoonist and commercial illustrator at the suggestion of his brother Roy. Um, moved to California in 1923. Together, they formed the Disney Brothers Cartoon Studio in Burbank, which changed its name to Walt Disney Studio in 1929. The company on, went on to become uh, the largest animation studio in the world and later a media empire. Disney may have called himself a self-made man, but hundreds of animators toiled in the studio to bring fantastic visions to the screen. Despite the, uh, the many contributors, Disney was one was the one who received the credit, the accolades, and the awards. Disney was not a self-made man. Newsflash: nobody is. Right. Uh, no such thing. Its, was, yeah, there's no such thing. It's insane. We, we because we live in a society. It's more of a fantasy than Disney stuff. Oh, absolutely. That that's the yarn. That's that's the. That is the real American myth. Uh, as the success of his company would not have been possible without uh, Animation Guild president emeritus Tom Cito told Workers World, I'm sure the public thought he drew everything himself, while in actuality, he personally uh, stopped drawing in the 20s when he could hire better artists. Funny thing about that, too. So how? just another idea of like how terrible America is and how terrible... Um, um, misogyny is so it was thought that like women women could not be um, animators uh, they were only good for doing ink and paint so they were only good with color for mm -hmm. whatever for whatever weird reason and this is my own I'm not reading from this article right now but this is my this is me talking so Disney gets a lot of credit for like putting women in the animation studio um, who were who were in his ink and paint department, but it, but he only did that because he could pay him less. Right. Yeah, that's why you yeah. do that. Let's see. Anti-Semitism and flirtations with fascism. Walt Disney often often resembled a villain from one of his first uh, one of the first films he produced. Coinciding with the anti-Semitic worldview, he was a member of the isolationist America First movement and flirted with pro-Nazi elements before World War II. Funny thing about that, I add on to that. So uh, this goes back into the self-made man um, myth. Myth is that the the Disney company was uh, like he was they weren't going to make it. He he was going under. Uh, they were not. They were in the red. What saved them was good old government handout. Um, World War II kicked off, and the government needed a bunch of propaganda. And Disney's the one they went to, so the, he was subsidized by the United States government, and that's why we have the Disney empire we have today. Um, let's see. As Disney animator Arthur Babbitt told Mark Elliott, the author of Walt Disney Hollywood Dark Prince, on more than one occasion I observed Walt Disney and his attorney Gunther Lessing, along with a lot of other prominent Nazi... Um, it says afflicted? That's weird. I'm going to say affiliated and say this is a typo. <laughs> Lots of other prominent Nazi-affiliated <laughs> Hollywood personalities. Pers uh, Disney was going to, going to meetings all the time. And you know what else is funny about that is that that's true. And then Disney made, not Walt Disney himself, but Disney made a movie about this very thing, which that's the plot of The Rocketeer. Yeah, because that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the, guy, the bad guy in The Rocketeer is supposed to be Errol Flint. Yeah. Because that was always the rumor that Errol Flynn was a secret Nazi. Yeah. 
And he looked like him, like the the the, the mm. visual. Um, who was it? Was it Timothy Dalton? Something like that. Yeah. I mean, he's been in everything, and I really like The Rocketeer. Like that's oh, one of the things like people. Nah, people I watched that movie. That was like '93, right? I think I, I didn't it. like it as a kid. I thought it sucked. No, I saw but, like it as in, an adult. I, I think th- it's cool. I saw it in the theaters. I always liked that like gangster kind of style in that. that yeah, time yeah, yeah, period. yeah. I've always that's since I, I was a kid thought that was cool, and I, I liked the helmet. No, it was cool. Like it's it's cool as an adult. Like I wouldn't force a kid to watch it. I was a kid and I liked that movie yeah. just because of you the really visuals. Were, just because of the cool. visuals. I didn't understand what was going on, but I liked the visuals. Oh, I see. I see. Like you got a Zeppelin in that movie. You got these old like propeller airplanes. You got this guy with a rocket strapped to his friggin' back. You have like a big Dick Tracy like monster villain guy. Like I don't yeah, know, there, was a lot, there was a lot to like in that movie. Like I, I always I mean, liked that little newsreel. Uh-huh. That they intercepted, and it was supposed it was the guy from Lost, like intercepted it, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be the um, the Nazis' plan if they like mass produced the rocket ship, like they were just gonna like rocket over from Berlin <laughs> to American soil. It's like what? what? No, this is this is the worst across the Atlantic on this time. stupid thing. Yeah, on the yeah. Oh my god! What a but I love that. I love that video reel. I, oh. I love like old news reels and stuff like that. Yeah, it the aesthetic of that is incredible. The aesthetic is very cool. Yeah, aesthetic's awesome. Uh-huh. I don't know why they don't incorporate more rocket, like any Rocketeer stuff, into Disney Hollywood Studios. Yeah, like you think because that, that's what they're going. The movie for. was that's a flop. Point. The movie was a flop. Yeah, the movie was a flop. But you embrace that. I mean, embrace that stuff. But I guess they're just like uh, they don't want to bring it up. Like not everything can make all the money. I mean, like, look, it's a fine movie. Just, just like saying, I like Black Cauldron. I wish I wish they would do Black Cauldron. If they took Song of the South out of Splash Mountain and put the Rocketeer in there, I would not be upset. I am going to go back, though, because I do want to ride the Tiana ride. And I think I'll be good for the rest of my life after that. There you go. You say that. You say that now. It's not that easy, pal. I don't even care about the Tron ride. The Tron ride looks slow and boring. Okay. I don't even care about it. Well, you know, speaking of um, Union Busters, uh, like Walt Disney, I can think of a union that is currently on strike. Oh, the the Riders Riders Guild of America. Have you seen this? That's super, I saw it this morning. And yeah, it's super dope. I hope that um, I hope they get what they want, like any union. I hope they get all the things. I so, want them to have all the things. Yeah, here's an article from the AV Club. It's officially as of well, it's officially day two of the writer strike that is taking place. Uh, I think it was midnight on Monday was the deadline for negotiations. Uh, this is Dateline uh, today. This to, or as of recording today is uh, Wednesday the third. Um, amid writer strike, late night staffers tell us about their specific challenges. So after just two days, the writer great uh, WGA strike has already shaken Hollywood across genres and formats. TV writers are fighting against the erosion of pay. With streaming services shaking up the system in recent years, they don't want to pay any of these workers. No, they, they oh just, god, no. There's a backlog of Especially films. if you're doing something creative? Mm-hmm. Definitely don't want to pay you. Oh, no, absolutely not. There's a backlog of film TV shows to stretch for at least a couple of months, so scripted programming won't feel the effects of the current strike immediately. However, late-night TV, your Jimmy Fallon's and all of them, which can't plan its scripts in advance, went dark as soon as the Writers Guild, uh, Writers Guild of America strike began on May 2nd. Quote, I woke up and realized there's no, there's no a closer look to write. It was depressing, said Sal Gentile, a writer with a late uh, writer at Late Night with Seth Meyers. Um, 
It's cathartic to write jokes about the news. We love our jobs. We keep we love writing. It'll drive us crazy not to have the outlet, but we are committed to our cause. I'm inspired and motivated by the solidarity I've seen so far. This sounds like somebody that's been like converted, you know, and like understands the class war in very like direct terms very recently. Does that make sense? Interesting. Yeah, I guess so. Like it sounds. I think that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I. I mean, I. I was watching. I can't remember what I watched, but like Jimmy Fallon was talking at the Met Gala about it, and he was just like, "Yeah, I hope uh, they get everything they asked for." But he sounded almost like, "Oh, it pained him to say that." It but sounded it's like, like Jimmy Fallon. It's, it's just one of those. It's just one of those unions that just really have their industry by the you know the short hairs, and, and they I should to see it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, like I, I, re and I sincerely hope they get everything they they mm -hmm. want for. Like, what should I do? Should I not watch streaming stuff? <laughs> Like, uh, I don't know if there's a call. For, I don't I mean, know. There's no call to action. Uh, so I have to actually research that a little bit more. I should be a little bit more. Sorry, I didn't have that. I wasn't right. prepared for that question. That's all right. You just kind of brought it up. It's fine. But um, we're both, uh, you know, ADHD and autistic, so we're all over the place. But uh, no, just just be aware um, that Writers Guild on Strike and solidarity with them. Take a look at their website, and you can definitely find information about what they're up to. Um, and yeah, shouts out to shouts out to those guys and gals and non-binary pals. There is. Let's uh, go ahead. No, no, there's just like a lot going on with that. I um actually ended up at a Starbucks picket line in Leesburg, Virginia this weekend, which was kind of cool what? too. It was a uh, shout out to the Leesburg, Virginia uh, Starbucks uh, on the weekend of um. April 29th and I mean April 29th and 30th um, that they that store all of the workers in that store uh, went on strike because their hours were being cut and uh, they closed that store for two days which was incredible nice it so was cool. a, an, uh, a ULP strike so is coke still on strike I don't, uh, I don't know. not exactly I sure not exactly sure I'm still not drinking coke I also had a, uh, another crazy event this weekend where um, so I stayed in DC um, for work reasons, uh, I live in Richmond now, but mm. um, I accidentally stayed in the same hotel as the um, White House a correspond White House like press corps correspondence dinner, which is like one of the weirdest places that I've I've ever been. Like when you go to a hotel, you know you want to just like hang out. It's kind of annoying when you have a conference or whatever taking place yeah, during sure. it. This is just like the biggest conference with like the most security and like nerds walking around in tuxedos and stuff, just like in your hotel. It's so annoying. Like, so um, when I went to, so I went back to my hotel from uh, driving down to Virginia for to a couple of uh, assignments that I had, right? Mm -hmm. I come back. I just see crazy security all over the place because Brandon's going to be there. All these other, you know, whatever is going to be there, right? So mm -hmm. I finally make my way around, like, a whole bunch of, like, move-arounds for security. I'm able to get into the uh, the uh, garage, the car garage, and, and, and park in there, right? So I do that, and I try and get in the elevator, and the elevator doesn't work. I'm like, what's going on here? And it, like the button's not not lighting up. It's not right, right? So I'll go up the stairs, and I get into an area, and I open the door, and it's just like security. They're just like looking at me, like, like, what are you doing here? Like, what you know, like, 
uh, I was a little bit scared. And so, like, I, hey, man, I just, I'm at this hotel. I'm trying to go to my room. I'll just, like, I'll, I don't want any trouble. You know what I mean? And so they had, like, me go into an elevator with security to go up one floor and, like, let me out. So, like, it's, it's impossible to get from your, like, the parking garage to your hotel room without, like, that <laughs> happening. And then so, like... The whole time, the whole day, the ho- the hotel's filled up. I go up in my room, I come downstairs, I go out to go get something to eat or whatever, right? When I come back, giant climate protest just like taking place in front of the my hotel. Where I, I, I turn my camera on and get video of it. You can check my Twitter. It's at uh, Eminent Prof. I got I got that on there. Also check my Blue Sky if you're on there, because uh, I'm on Blue Sky. I don't know what a Blue Sky is, but carry on about this protest so anyway i'm just like seeing they had actually like a brass band and like all this other stuff and you know people playing music and a lot of like wild stuff happening in the street they rejected some cars from getting in uh by doing like the human you know linked arms thing um which is crazy and i was like there in solidarity people noticed me i was wearing a work shirt people noticed like oh yeah that's really cool or whatever and so like whatever people like me or whatever and i'm just like trying to like hide while i'm like showing the security the cops that are out front like hey actually i'm staying at this hotel like i had to show them my room key to get through it was wild damn i yeah. mean who booked you for that like i work? booked so i, I booked oh, you did i didn't yourself. realize that it was happening and the room price was not expensive because i don't like my, my my theory on that is that none of those people actually like stay in a hotel they just live in dc yeah that makes sense well that's that's crazy i've had i mean the closest i've had to run into like weird stuff like that was just like at um the convention in philly in 2016 but Uh i mean i expected that Mm -hmm. um but other than that oh i do remember talking to secret service people as a kid um because George W. Bush came to Cincinnati for something. And like, I was at the, I was like at the Wendy's where like the secret service was like across from the hotel and they were all like eating burgers and this guy like talked to me and I was like, cool. You're so cool. You're a, you're a spook. You're a government agent. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. I love it. Yeah. But, um, Speaking of that, going back to Disney, taking my autistic brain back, <laughs> I think it's a good segue. But before we do that, can how... we just do station? Yeah, ID we got to do WHIV of the LP New Orleans, 102.3. Good morning, comrade. Jeff and Robert. What you got, Robert? Bring no, I think it's, it's a good segue to talk about how um, Disney was a FBI snitch. Um, after the war, uh, having rebranded himself as a anti-Nazi patriot, Disney carried out the bidding of the crypto-fascist FBI director J. Edgar Hoover. Disney's reactionary credentials made it likelier for the long-reigning FBI director to enlist Disney services as a domestic spy. His assignment was to report on the activities of Hollywood actors, writers, producers, directors, technicians, and union activities uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigation suspected of political subversion. The Bureau recommended that Disney be a contact for the Los Angeles um, Bureau. As stated in the FBI memo, from December 6, 1954, his relationship with the FBI lasted from 1940 until his death in 1966. 
Disney led a personal campaign in stamping out political dissent, especially in Hollywood. As vice president of the Motion Picture Association, Disney wrote a letter to uh, U.S. Senator Robert Reynolds urging Congress to investigate the flagrant manner in which the motion picture industrialists have been coddling communists. <laughs> the capitalists are coddling communists. What's going on here? That's crazy. Um, when Congress investigated Hollywood back in the late 1940s, Disney acted as a friendly witness testifying before the House Un-American Activities Committee in an anti-communist offensive that led to the Hollywood blacklist accusations of having communist ties or sympathies were used to deny employment to many entertainment professionals throughout the 1950s. Disney ratted out artists in his own industry, including his animators. Uh, HUAC, that's what we just said, H-U-A-C, the uh, House on american Activities Committee, was created in 1938 to investigate all subversives, including Nazis, uh, who, especially during World War II, Franklin Roosevelt administration, who opposed... Uh, oh, no, never mind. We're done with that. That was a whole different thing. So, as we see, like, this guy was uh, not a great guy. Also a union buster. So, we're already, like, we're starting off on, like, um, shaky, shifty ground. So, when you take that kind of mind... And then you give them, you know, the kind of control that the Disney company came to to have. Um, did you know? Did you know that Disney World is supposed to be in um, New Orleans? But like, yeah, New Orleans I, yeah, way we, too we much give money. Them the tax price, yeah. So how they bought up Orlando, all that swampland, was that um, Disney created shell companies who bought up different pieces of land because he didn't want anybody knowing that Walt Disney was actually behind it because then he couldn't get a good deal on the land. Which okay, I make sense, like. Nobody like you shouldn't fleece the guy just because he has money. I get that. Pretty pretty so, sneaky, that, that, Walt Disney. But that's pretty sneaky. That just shows you like where his mind is, like strategically. It's not about like doing Mickey Mouse cartoons. Like this guy had like a very sharp strategic, like take no prisoners mind. The word who, diabolical he, comes to mind. Yeah, absolutely. He would he would cut he, he had sharp elbows on the way up. But you take that and then you take his idea for something like Epcot. Which, if you know Epcot, it's the big G, the big golf ball with all the countries, right? That was actually supposed to be a, a company town. That was his vision. Was people who worked at Disney were going to live at Epcot. It yeah. was, and it were going to be completely self-sustained. It was actually absolutely going to be insane. So I figured, like for this for this episode, we could cover that, and that'll take us pretty much to the end. And then next time we'll get into the um, we'll get into like. Why that's not a good thing, and All how right. the Reedy Creek Development District actually works. But Go uh, for it, we'll take bro. the last we'll take the last ten here and like talk about Epcot. So this is from Planet Zine, uh, Epcot, the original smart city from Diana. I have to forgive me here, Anasku, from October seventh, twenty twenty two. Uh, Forty years after its opening in. October 1982, Disney's Epcot theme park remains a mainstay of the massive Walt Disney World properties in Florida, but Disney's early ambitions for the experimental prototype community of tomorrow, that is the acronym, uh, then styled Epcot, went far beyond today's theme park complex, 
encompassing an entire futuristic community featuring the latest technology aimed at making urban life easier, cleaner, and more comfortable. Inspired by prior planning theories like City Beautiful and The Radiant City, Disney envisioned a master plan community characterized by maximum efficiency and a strict adherence to design standards rather than coming up with solutions to improve conditions in existing cities. Mm. So instead of like, hey, I've got some really good ideas, maybe we'll try to help everybody. No, I want to, you know, I want to be God Emperor. No, the problem is the problem. The problem is that it's not totalitarian enough. It's not feudal enough. You don't control these people enough. That's the problem. That's the Elon Musk's problem. Was that it was with Twitter? Is that like he didn't control it enough? That's why he bought Twitter. It's like he wanted to be he wanted to be the emperor of mankind before Warhammer. Yeah, he wanted to be he wanted to own. Like a plantation in the most modern sense possible, like straight up. I was, I was trying to keep it light, but that's a hundred percent true. Like, yeah. Oh, let's see here. Uh, Disney, like others before him, dreamt of building the ideal community from scratch, starting with a clean slate to avoid the messiness of older cities and the errors of previous planners. Uh, variously titled Project Florida or Project X. Epcot aimed to provide a model of efficiency, productivity, and social harmony. Jesus, that sounds like a cult. Yeah, yeah. It, oh. it sounds extremely Protestant, too, honestly. Woo. Like, like at least, <laughs> look, not to be too, not, not to still be broken up over the split of the church, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. uh, it, it does sort of seem like this is one of those sort of situations where, like, if you can essentially, it's, it's, it is a weird it it is like the most complete form of of corporate nationalism geographically speaking that I've ever seen in my entire life. It's crazy. It's, crazy it's so crazy. Um this radical arrangement uh, would center an arrival complex complete with a hotel and shopping district enclosed to protect it from the elements and provide a year-round climate controlled experience. The center, the central 50-acre shopping area, would be enclosed to protect it from the oh elements. And while many in the media interpreted this to mean part of the city would be covered in an enormous dome, Disney scholars argue that this plan was more akin to today's enclosed shopping malls with some dome-like skylights. Nevertheless, the vision of the dome city popularized in the space-obsessed 1960s has never quite left the popular imagination. Farther out, high-rise apartment buildings would give way to a green belt, followed by low-density urban, suburban-style single-family neighborhoods. In other words, it would follow a typical radical radial, typical radial model of gradually reduced density, all connected by electrified automatic trains known as the WW Way. Which that was the name of his corporation, is WW. I mean, like. That sounds very like William Penn. Like, in the idea of what you learned about him in school is that he wants to create these, like, perfect towns that are, like, logically, like, exactly designed in, a, like, a specific way, like an organism or whatever, because it's got all the parts in their various areas that need to be wherever. And, like, like it is a completely theoretical way to plan anything and and the only problem is when you're thinking like this that people don't exact don't behave exactly like you would expect them to do. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, cuz like me as like huh. 
a kind of I don't know, just a I won't call myself a futurist or like mm-hmm. like that kind of like I'm conflicted by that. There's an that affirmative kind of stuff, vision. There's an affirmative vision there at least, right? Yeah, like that kind of communal living to where like you've got a property and and we'll talk more about this like of how Disney actually works like next time, but like works like a corporation, got, folks. That's the that's the answer. Spoilers. I mean, you've got a property that has you know excellent roads, excellent public transportation. Um, they grow their own food in there. They produce their own electricity. Yeah. They, they have their know, entire um, fish. They have like entire fish ecosystems, like farms and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They sanitize their own water, and it's just like the rest. So it's like yeah, they're a I, state I within there. a state in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like I want to live there. I want to live not necessarily in Epcot or Disney. But I want to live in a world like that to where we um, prioritize public good. But then I have to like that's not the actual priority. That's the like stated priority, right? That's what I mean, though. That's the problem. We prioritize public good, but then I have to hit myself with a cold glass reality and realize like, no, this is not for public good. This is for capitalism, right? And this is this is just a company town. This is just the combination of Singapore and a company town had a baby. It's like there's a, there's that's a, what it is. There's there's a little vampire glamour going on there where it's sort of like it, it tells you what you want to hear, and mm-hmm. so like like and you you've mentioned this a couple of different ways, almost like with the with the Marine Corps and stuff like that too. Uh, that there's like a a way that like life can be organized where all of the functions need to be taken care of and they could be or at least they could be distributed. Um, not to say that the military is not hierarchical or definitely is, but um, I don't know. Like it, it, I've, I've, I've sent some commonality between those things too, between the Disney thing and the, and the, and the, and the uh, Marines. Well, it's just the idea of just it's like, okay, well, you've got a company that has so much money and so much reach and so much power like Disney. And then you've got United States military who has like, here, here's to be the connecting tissue, so much money, so much power. Yeah. And so you have, all these like clear sky initiatives to where it's like, well, of course we're going to have good roads. You know, if you're Disney, of course we're going to like provide healthcare for everybody employed by the U S armed forces. Like, of course you're not going to have to worry about where your next meal is coming from. It's like they, because we prioritize these things to achieve our goals. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if we could just shift that to the rest of society and not, you don't even have to be altruistic about it and just say, Oh, by, by providing food, shelter, um, public transportation, and uh, healthcare, this actually helps the quote unquote American corporation. And I mean that in the most loosest terms. Like, this helps our bottom line. You don't even have to, like, spin a yarn of, like, hippy dippy, like, oh, we should just do this because we all love each other, man, which we should. But, like, you don't even have to go there. You can just say, like, oh, the idea of America as an entity to keep it strong. We have to take care of the people who live here. To make people want to come to Disney, it needs to be clean. It needs to be easy to get around. Like, you know, to, to, to achieve our mission of killing people in the military, then we have to make sure people aren't getting the sniffles and also they have a, a clean, comfortable place to lay their head at night. Yeah. Like, whatever, these things are, are obvious. Whatever the project but, is, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we don't prioritize that society. And yeah, you're right. We're almost... We're going to continue time. to part two... Um, I guess next week, uh, live so, next week, and then yeah. yeah, and then on the podcast 
it'll just be an, a click another episode there you go well thank you so much for listening this has been good morning comrade you're listening to bhwlp new orleans 102.3 we love you bye-bye great Pon la 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 pon la